This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Pineapple Pizza Podcast discusses the histories, cultures, and beliefs of regions around the world. These stories often contain mature and sometimes disturbing content that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. I literally had a dream last night that we were recording, and I had some word that looked like piss shit or something like that. (laughs) But it was pronounced like piche or something weird like that. And I forgot to put in the, like, how to pronounce it. So I kept saying piss shit. Ah, fuck. Piche. Like, as we were recording. Um, That's magical. And I wish that that would happen in real life. That's so much better than all the things that I dream about. My, I woke up from a dream this morning. I was dreaming about 101 Dalmatians for some weird reason. And the first thought that I had when I woke up is 101 Dalmatians. That would be a lot of poop to clean up. Literally the first thought upon waking up. Oh my up. God. That's it's a lot of dog true. shit. Your whole yard would just be dog shit. It would you would have no clean. grass. Uh-huh. It would be gross. Because they would have killed it all Toxic. with their pee. You'd have to get like a, a bulldozer and just like bulldoze all the shit into like a corner of the yard. I'm sending you a picture of how well this dog sofa is working out because it's really <laughs> not. <laughs> I'm so glad I wasted the money and energy carrying this fucking dog to find the house so that she could hate it. <laughs> well, give her time. Our cats took a little while to grow accustomed well, I, to their cat tower. And I now took they the little pillows it. off in case maybe she doesn't like these, but she still won't lay on it. So I give up and I'm just going to cry now. Oh my God, that is so cute. Look at it. She's, she's got her butt on it, but the rest of her is not. So. She's like, this is as much as I trust on this right now. <laughs> oh, 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 she laid down. She laid down. Small victories. She heard you talking about it. And she's like, fine. Fine, God, mom. God. She's like, mom, don't cry again. I am tired of your emotional outbursts. (laughs) Fine. Now that you're talking to your friends about it, I will appease you and I will lay on this. Oh my God. That's so fucking cute. (laughs) I love it. It'd be even better if it was the friend's couch. I'm really sad because it's not the one, like I bought one and I sent the picture to Emily because I was like, I've lost control of my life. I just bought a dog couch. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, this one looks a lot like that one, but the one that I bought was purple, like had like purple pillows. And so I'm sad that we ended up with gray pillows, but it's okay. 
Purple's oh. your favorite color, isn't it? I love purple. Well, it's either purple or black. I'm not fucking sure. <laughs> <laughs> My soul is black, so it's probably black. But purple's a nice accent color, so I it love is a nice the shit out color. of purple, though. So if I could like, <laughs> if I could just live in a giant purple and black mansion, sold. <laughs> Something straight out of a Tim Burton movie. I was going to say it's very Morticia Adams. Yeah. Of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. I'm obsessed with Morticia Adams, so if I end up like her, I'll consider myself lucky. And I'll have the best husband ever, so. That's true. Just randomly talks to you in French and spins you around. And, like, is obsessed with me still, even though we've been married forever. That sounds amazing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I love them. I've derailed everything with the dog couch, but I'm not sorry. (laughs) Never be sorry for dog couch derailments. <laughs> well, pull up your cozy dog couch cushions. Are you ready for a story? I sure am. And I've yes. got a cushion right here and I put my elbow. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more, Emily. Welcome to Pineapple Pizza Podcast, where we serve up slices of mythology, cryptozoology, and urban legends. It's an interesting combination of flavors. Weird, but it works. Today's special is Cryptids of Scotland. I'm your hostess, Emily, and with me are two of my very most favoritest people in all of existence, Ashley and Lindsay. Hi. 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 Was that a cat? Yeah, Emmett says hi, too. <laughs> The perfectly was- timed meow threw us off. <laughs> You're both just like, what? I was like, wait, I don't have a cat. Who has a cat? <laughs> was that Emily? <laughs> Did Emily just meow at me? Emily, that's the best cat impression I've ever heard. It's magical. I just threw my voice as a cat by staring at you blankly. <laughs> it was amazing, though. Way to use your demonic... Uh, stomach demons to uh, <laughs> project your voice. <laughs> Thanks, I've been working on that one. <laughs> How are you guys doing? <laughs> Good. The cat demons in my stomach say hello as well. <laughs> oh, now I feel left out because I don't have any cat demons. But I like <laughs> I've been I've been informed repeatedly that I myself am probably a demon. So maybe that's why I don't. I don't know. I bet demons could live inside other demons. We gonna start talking about Gottlieb and Didis I Demon was Hotel. That. Yes, <laughs> Human Demon Hotel. Room for one thousand, please. <laughs> I was like, maybe it's Schrod- Schrodinger's cat, and you just have Schrodinger's cat in your tummy, or do you? <laughs> Schrodinger's demon cat. In your tummy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love everything about that. <laughs> Schrodinger's demon cat. Lit- <laughs> Either lives or does not live inside me. We will never know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So did you guys see, I think we are now trending at number six on the Good Pods history charts. I I think it's the the top 100 or top 40. I'm not sure. Top 100. Yeah, you guys are like right on my butt. Yeah, Yeah, you're number five and we're number six. (laughs) Thank Mm -hmm. you, all the listeners on Good Pods. So. That was exciting. Yeah. 
It was exciting. So was hitting uh, 666 downloads in the selected period the other day. Uh-huh. <laughs> when yeah. I just randomly logged on to sporadically check, I was like, oh, yes, we are screenshotting this because it will never happen again. <laughs> it was glorious. It was beautiful. Demonic. Yeah. If we ever hit number two on the charts, I'm probably going to chuckle. I'm not going to lie. It's going to give me a good laugh. (laughs) I'll probably end up being behind you. I'm always competing with uh, the Reddit on Wiki boys. Are they history? No. No. (laughs) For some reason, they always are number one in history. And it drives me insane. (laughs) I love you guys, but honest to God, get out of my chart. Oh shit. <laughs> Shots fired. Things are getting real. <laughs> well, okay, so today I had planned to talk to you guys about um, the hog boy of the Orkney Islands. I don't know if you guys remember me bringing this up when we when I was researching the Draga of Norse mm-hmm. legend, I had learned about this thing that lived in the Orkney Mounds. That's kind of like the Scottish version of the the hog buoy. Mm-hmm. Do you remember they were the other ones that would live in the mounds in Norway? Yes. I don't. <laughs> oh. Well, they're the ones that didn't really go out. They just kind of stayed in and they protected their treasure. Okay. Got it. Got it. Treasure demons. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> like me but, and my um... snacks. <laughs> Stay inside and protect my oh snacks. My, oh my god. I just picture somebody opening... <laughs> the freaking pantry going in and grabbing your snack and then they turn around and you're standing right there behind them like <laughs> what you doing hey hi <laughs> and you pull what a you sword doing? out from behind your back <laughs> I put what that were back you doing with you? those snacks <laughs> <laughs> anyway I couldn't find enough <laughs> I couldn't find enough information about the hog boy so at least not right now I might have something in the future but it looked like there just wasn't really enough to talk about to make a story out of it would have been like three sentences long not gonna be a good story hey ashley was able to like take a paragraph and spin us a tale that was truly epic yeah but ashley's like a trained talented skilled writer and that's true (laughs) as she chuckles and snorts into the mic (laughs) i am not that creative (laughs) i'm not I'm not talented. I just write all the time. That it's all it is. It's not anything. Although I am still proud that that paragraph that was like this big became a whole episode. <laughs> As you should be. I applaud you and your verboseness. Yep, I'm a pretentious bitch. It's all right. <laughs> Everyone loves it. It's their favorite thing about me. <laughs> and the wind doth blow. That girl never shuts up. I swear to God. (laughs) Oh my God. See, that's exactly what Joel would say about me. So (laughs) can relate. That's magic. Since I can't tell you guys about the hog boy, I decided to talk about a group of creatures known as water horses and water bowls. Yay. Water horses? Yeah. (laughs) There's a demonic gleam in Ashley's eye. (laughs) Oh my god, please let let them be hippo-like. It's very important for my soul. 
There are. Are they um, cocaine water spirits? <laughs> <laughs> they do have a lot of energy, so that would explain a lot. Oh my god, they are on cocaine. This is already my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> and it hasn't even started yet. <laughs> so I wanted to discuss these because they appear to be like, they're really common throughout the history of Scotland, but they're also really, there are a lot of them in Ireland and England lore. Okay. So uh, I thought this was kind of cool to tie together some of our other regions, but also talk about something maybe we haven't really discussed that much before. So let's get into a little bit of the history. Just a little bitty a bit of the history. A little bitty? A little bitty bit of the history. Just the tippy tip of the history. <laughs> Just the tip. Just the tip of the history. Doesn't count then. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't move, it doesn't count. <laughs> oh no. I don't know how to segue from that one. <laughs> Just so- take a toe around it. So the history. But then I'm moving and it counts. <laughs> Speaking of antique wooden cocks. <laughs> Finally. Oh, well, there's God. a backstory here to our wonderful <laughs> listeners that you don't know, but we love it. <laughs> All right. So speaking of antique wooden dildos. Throughout the history of those regions, horses held a special place in the culture and traditions. They were used for plowing fields, transporting people and goods, they were used in battle, and they acted as inspiration for all kinds of arts, from small stone carvings to, like, the massive hillside geoglyphs, if you've ever seen the ones where Mm -hmm. they have, like, the the chalk geoglyphs on the sides Mm -hmm. of hills. So horses were super important. And they also featured prominently in the mythology and the belief systems, So they were often companions to the gods, capable of walking between the worlds of the living and the dead. Uh, They were said to be able to, like, run across water, run across oceans, carry people to the underworld, so on and so forth. They may be harbingers of death, though they were frequently viewed as protectors, too. The water horses and water bulls of Scotland are found in the rivers, streams, ponds, and locks of the land. So just for funsies... I decided to look up exactly what a lock was mm-hmm. because I thought I, you know, I pretty much just assumed it was a lake, but no, that's not right. I was really wrong. A lock is actually a partially landlocked body of water that's basically formed by the sea pushing inward on the land. So it's kind of like um, like an arm or a finger <laughs> of the ocean on a map. <laughs> <laughs> just slowly pushing that finger in. So, okay. <laughs> so, like, Think about you have a piece like a cupcake and you stick your finger down in and you push a hole in the cupcake and then you fill it with icing. That's a lock. And that's a lock. (laughs) That's a lock. A creamy, delicious cupcake lock. Okay, but then where's the pop that goes with the lock? (laughs) Where's Nessie? How does Nessie get in there? This is getting so weirdly sexual. Can't handle it. I mean, if you look at a map of Scotland, there are a lot of fingers pushing in on it. So it has a lot of locks, especially hey, the I, west side. Believe it or not, the mini episode that I wrote for for one while I was working on the Scottish myth, I think I have exactly how many locks are in Scotland. In really? That. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that fact is in there. I wish I could pull it from my brain right now, but it's a lot. My brain is soup. It's high. It's a high number. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
My brain is soup right now. It's hot in here, so it melted. Well, that wouldn't be soup. That'd be ice cream. What's ice cream soup? I mean, if it's hot, I feel like it comes. Hot liquid is basically soup, is it not? <laughs> hot cheese soup. What she said. <laughs> there you go. Hot cheese soup. <laughs> if my brain were soup, it would probably be cheese soup. Yes. <laughs> she does love her cheese. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. When it's cold, it just congeals. And when it gets too hot, then it's cheese soup. There you go. It's Ashley in a nutshell. And you can dunk some breadsticks <laughs> in it when it's hot. <laughs> dear god this took a turn (laughs) so water horses and water bowls the lore and legend behind these creatures likely began as cautionary tales particularly for children to kind of keep them from getting too close to the water a lot like the bunyip of australia the kappa of japan or the vaginoi of russia and you two have your screens right next to each other and it looked like you were holding hands because you were both reaching in the same direction. <laughs> Aww, I would hold hands with Lindsay. I would too. <laughs> hands across America. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a wild ride. From what I read and could surmise, they are generally viewed as malevolent spirits or fae depending on the creature to which you're specifically referring. The most widely of these white the most widely of the most widely the most most hippopotamus like of these yes (laughs) (laughs) there's the word in there that it's written down and i decided to completely ignore the most widely known of these is probably the kelpie yay i was hoping you would do that one yeah so i i had i'd heard of the kelpie before but i really didn't know anything about them until i did the research for this so they're weird Mm -hmm. but i like them but also not. The word Kelpie is thought to have its origins in the Gaelic words Kalepek or Kolpak. And I may be completely butchering those. I could not find translations for them. So I'm going based on like chunks of what I was able to translate. Anyway, they either mean colt, <laughs> heifer, or bullock. Ooh, heifer. Yeah. Every time I think of heifer, I think of Rocco's Modern Life. I knew you were going to say that. Life. Rocco's, Rocco's modern, modern life. life. <laughs> Everybody dance. <laughs> oh my god, we're so fucking weird. <laughs> All three of us were immediately like Rocco's <laughs> Surprisingly, although stories of the Kelpie are thought to potentially date all the way back to pre-Christianity, I don't want to swallow you. Go away. <laughs> it's a fruit fly. <laughs> Fight a nickel for every time I heard that. You'd have one nickel and, <laughs> and a broken bridge. <laughs> By the way, I'm totally gonna attempt to make a shirt for that because I can't stop saying that to myself, and every time I think it in my head, I start laughing again. You'd have one nickel and a broken bridge. The earliest recorded documentation of the being known as the Kelpie was penned by English poet William Collins sometime in the decade before his death. He passed away in 1759 without ever publishing the poem. However, it was eventually published in 1784 by two others who saw its unique worth. And it, it kind of really its value to Scotland heritage. Mm-hmm. Scottish heritage? Heritage yeah. of Scotland? Yeah, those things. 
either or of the Any. L- yep. last two, but the first one's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Although this poem appeared to be essentially a discourse from one poet to another about topics that make a high quality poem. So it's basically one guy that's like, hey, so this would be really cool if we talked about this in a poem. So you need to hit on these points. Mm-hmm. The eventual publishers recognized it for its value in preserving Scottish beliefs in the Fae which they feared might be lost to time if his work wasn't saved for posterity. So a lot like the Grimm brothers did in preserving kind of folk beliefs. Hell yeah, Grimm brothers. Hell yeah. Murder. (laughs) Incest. (laughs) Cannibalism. (laughs) All the things. What? Children's stories. dark? (laughs) I love it. Collins mention, or Collins's, whatever, mention of the Kelpie is very brief and it seems to be basically a deceased man speaking to his worried wife and in the poem he says dear wife thy daily toils pursue at dawn or dusk industrious as before no air of me one hapless thought renew while i lie weltering on the osseared shore drowned by the kelpie's wrath nor air shall aid thee more like sorry i died this guy killed me and i can't help you anymore Milk your own damn cows. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure she probably did that to begin with. (laughs) Woman's role, 1700s, probably. Since this first mention of the Kelpie, many traditional stories have been transcribed, and we now know a lot more about the beliefs surrounding this dangerous watery being. Kelpies are magical water spirits that typically inhabit running water such as streams and rivers. Their most commonly observed form is that of a black, dark gray, or white horse or pony found wandering along the banks of the waterways. When they are out of water, they will have a mane that is perpetually dripping even on a hot, dry day. When they are in the water, their tails are said to sound like thunder when hit against the water surface. They like to make it clap. They do like to make it clap. So you might even say that they're a WAP, a wet-ass pony. (laughs) (laughs) Kelpies can also take human form. It seems like most of the time when they take human form, it's as a man who's trying to lure unsuspecting women to him. But there are some stories of of them becoming women that then lure men. Uh, In either case, there's a dead giveaway that this person that you're looking at is actually a Kelpie. And that is the presence of water weeds in their hair. So basically, if you're kind of chilling with somebody that's super hot, flirting by the side of the water, and then you turn and you see that they have a really big old conspicuous hunk of seaweed in their hair, you might want to be careful. It's probably a Kelpie. Or somebody who didn't shower after they got (laughs) out of the water. Girl, what happened to your hair? (laughs) Their feet may also remain hoof-like when they take human form, which, you know be a little bit suspicious. They come with their own clogs. It's fine. (laughs) This particular characteristic has unsurprisingly associated them with the devil. Even though the devil has cloven hooves, right? Mm -hmm. And horses don't. Nope. They don't have cloven hooves. Do you know they're actually walking on a bone? Yeah, it's like a giant fingernail. Yes, it's gross. Thanks for that. You're welcome. Mm. Biology. (laughs) Yum. <laughs> in Robert Burns's Address to the Devil, published in 1786, he describes the Kelpies as luring night travels to their deaths at the devil's bidding. And this really kind of further cements them as like malevolent beings that work 
with the Dark Lord or for the Dark Lord. The Dark Lord. Satan! Just kidding. (laughs) Well, Lucifer is a close personal friend and he's never mentioned any of this, so I don't buy it. (laughs) He loves ponies. Well, we all know that uh, Lucifer has his secrets. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. suspicious. This may be why they don't always appear as an attractive person. Sometimes they (laughs) are seen as highly aggressive, rough-looking hairy men. And in this form, they don't really bother trying to trick people. Instead, they basically just jump on top of them, crush them to death, and then rip them apart and eat them. Wow, that escalated quickly. (laughs) It really did. Like, I'm feeling a little too lazy to put in the work of trying to lure you and then drown you. Instead, I'm just going to be hairy and gross and squishy. I squish you. I'm going to crush your head. Crush it. Crush your head. Kelpies have a notorious taste for long pig, but specifically for baby back ribs. Oh no. Cheese baby back ribs. Barbecue sauce. Baby long pig. (laughs) 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 They really like to drown then eat children. So there's one story of a Kelpie that convinces nine children to climb onto its back which can be magically extended to accommodate all nine kiddos. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Don't like that. Yeah. I don't I don't like it. It's like a, a wiener dog horse. I was going to say, you're not like one of those <laughs> slinky dogs. Don't it's do like, it. It's like cat dog. But don't bring cat dog into this. <laughs> cat dog would never murder nine children and then eat them. <laughs> So when the 10th child that's hanging out and it's like, okay, I really want this 10th kid. The kid doesn't climb onto its back. Instead, it strokes the Kelpie or the horse's neck. The child's hand then becomes fused to the horse. In another version, the child touches the nose of the horse with a finger, which then becomes stuck fast. To free himself and save his life, the child has to cut off the attached part. So either the hand or the finger. And then watches as the other nine children are dragged out to the water, drowned, eaten, and then their entrails are chucked back to the shoreline. And the kid's like, trauma, maybe. That's a horrible day at school. Worst field trip ever. (laughs) Enjoy living with your trauma, little stumpy. He never did like ponies after that. We couldn't figure out why. (laughs) If they can't trick or catch their intended victims, their other magical power, besides grossly extending their back, is to summon a flood to drown the victims. So one way or another, they'll sweep you off your feet, eat you, then hand your soul over to Satan. Kelpies are also insanely strong in their horse form. Some say as strong as 10 horses, others say as strong as 100 horses. So either way, they're going to be pretty intimidating. That's a lot of horsepower. That's what I thought too when I was reading it. True. It's very true. Especially pre-cars. It's a lot of horsepower. But this super powerful stretch arm strong horse thingy isn't invincible. There are a few ways to kill or tame a Kelpie. They can be killed with silver bullets which one site claimed terms them into gross jellyfish-like boogery masses. So, like, you kill them and then they kind of... Yeah. Gelatinize? I don't know. 
gross. Well, gelatin is made from bones, so... Yeah. Isn't it typically made from, like, horse hooves? Isn't that what they say? It's made from horse hooves? I don't know. See, I always heard that they used horses to make glue, not gelatin. Oh, I thought the horse hooves were used for I'm gonna, gelatin. I'm going to Google it right now. Which now so that I'm thinking finish. about it is even more disgusting because the hooves are fingernails. I am so traumatized by all of this because if you think the Kelpie's sticky, horses make glue, it turns into jello. If you eat jello and it's made from horses. I'm I think so I broke Emily. <laughs> Hold up. I'm looking it up right now. That's why jello isn't Ew, it's even worse than I could have possibly imagined. Is everyone ready? (laughs) No. no. Fuck my shit up. (laughs) This is from from PETA.org. Gelatin is a protein obtained by boiling skin, tendons, ligaments, and or bones with water. It is usually obtained from cows or pigs. Well, at least the horses are just glue. That's good. I just rocked everybody's world. (laughs) (laughs) Emily's face. I don't know if they. I don't know if that's true or not, but I always heard that they take old horses to the glue factory. Like it could just be that could just be like a thing that people say, but that's what I always heard. The expression was when you have an old horse, you take it to the glue factory. Yeah. See here, I'm thinking of that scene in Julie and Julia where she's basically making the meat jello, and now I get it. I get it. It's gross. Oh, fuck. The horse thing's true, and I don't want to read the rest of it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, I have another fun fact that might be a little less gross. Artificial vanilla flavoring is beaver anal gland. It's beaver butt. Nice. (laughs) I am. By the time we are done here, I will never eat again. (laughs) Yeah. Glue has been produced from thousands from animals for thousands of years, not just from horses, but from pigs and cattle as well. Uh, only a few of the glue manufacturers still distribute glue made from animals. Bookbinders use animal glue because it is slower to set. The more you know. I feel so bad about how many books I own now. I know. Part of me was like, should I pet my books now? Like, sorry. I love you. Should I feel worse about that? I also eat pigs and cattle. Do you think your books are haunted by the ghosts of the animals who made them? If they are, they're the calmest ghosts ever. Yeah. <laughs> <Nay>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Kelpies. Gross boogery masses when they're killed. If they're shot with silver bullets. You can also defend yourself against a Kelpie with the sign of a cross or by invoking the name of God. So, I mean, that makes sense if they're kind of associated with the devil. But they can also be tamed by their bridle. So a bridle, if you can't picture it, is basically all the headgear that a horse has. So that's like the bit. And then you can attach. Well, okay. So I think the bit is actually separate. The bridle is what the bit and the reins get attached to. It's all that leather work that goes around a horse's head. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's right. Yeah. It kind of looks like a horse muzzle almost. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So that's used to control a horse's movements. So if a person can somehow gain control of this and remove it, then they have control of the Kelpie itself. Supposedly, if a person looks through the holes in the bit, so they pull the bit out of this, they will see the magic of the world around them that was previously hidden. So they'll see like they'll see like witches and fairies and demons and stuff. 
Why would you want that? <laughs> well, okay. Have you guys seen Free Guy? Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes, it's like so the think of the sunglasses. <laughs> it's like the sunglasses. You I never know them. what you're missing out on. <laughs> so some stories claim that gaining control of this bridle will bring the Kelpie to heal, and then people can basically use use it as like a workhorse around their farms and stuff. Others claim that if the Kelpie is separated from its bridle for 24 hours, it will die. It is rumored that the McGregor clan passed a bridle down over several generations, which they claimed uh, an ancestor had taken from a Kelpie that once made Loch Ness its home. So Mm. this creature might actually be where they got the idea that Loch Ness had uh, the Loch Ness monster. might be the inspiration for the Loch Ness monster. Okay. So this ancestor had managed to basically outwit a Kelpie, and then it appears that the Kelpie must have died because it said it's said that no one ever went missing along the banks of Loch Ness again. So that's kind of interesting. I guess they held on to it and they were like, check out all this magic for a long time. It's just full of LSD. <laughs> Get cocaine. That makes sense to me, what, what Lindsay said. It's, filled- it's always drugs. <laughs> it's always drugs. Everything is LSD, and you just need to know. <laughs> Another Kelpie was captured by Laird Graham of Morphe. So Laird's basically just like the Scottish term for Lord. Mm-hmm. So Grammy boy forced this Kelpie to help him build Laird's castle. Graham Cracker Boy. It took seven years to complete, and when it was done, Graham Cracker foolishly freed the Kelpie, who ran off and threw a big old fuck you over his shoulder as it left. <laughs> Have fun not masturbating, Graham Cracker. In my here's the thing, in my head the Kelpie sounds like Eric Cartman from South Park. Fuck <laughs> you. Fuck you guys. I'm going him. <laughs> that was it exactly. <laughs> As the Kelpie dived beneath the surface of the water, it cursed the Laird, leading to the death of the Laird and his son. And unfortunately, oh, the Laird snap. was not canny. He did not come back to life. Oh. Whoops. I mean, is it fortunate, though? Because how many times has Kenny died? Horrible <laughs> Interestingly... In both of these stories, the men attacked the Kelpies first, and both the Kelpies ended up saying something along the line of like, hey, what's the big deal? Like, I didn't do anything to you. What's going on? So, really, who's the bad guy here? It's always people. The legend says that the Kelpies are malevolent, but to be fair, we attacked them first. So, what you're saying is, we are the bad guys. Duh. Duh. (laughs) Duh. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm done. (laughs) There's another story in which a lonely Kelpie falls in love with a human woman. So he takes the form of a human man to try and win her favor. Unfortunately, she notices the telltale water weeds in his hair. So she removes his necklace, which is what his bridal looks like when he's in human form. And then then she kindly forces him to work on her dad's farm as a horse. As a workhorse. So eventually she does give him back his necklace. But she tells him that the only way she'll be with him is if he keeps his human form. So the poor guy's so freaking desperate that he's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> so he keeps his human form and they get married. Okay, but what happens if you get pregnant by one of these Kelpie things? Are you going to give birth to a horse? So there are leg- there are some legends. I didn't include them in here, but there are some legends about um, 
like bull, uh, cows that mate with kelpies and how they create like um, a half water spirit. It's yeah, so you will create something that's half water spirit, half human. Then, oh my god, I feel so sorry for whoever has to push that out. It's not gonna be fun. Is that how centaurs are born? Hopefully they don't have hooves. Water centaurs? Born. Right? Can cool. you imagine how bad it would hurt to give birth to something that's like half horse? No! <laughs> I don't even want to give birth to a regular baby, let alone a half horse cool. one. I never really thought about it before, but now I feel bad for horses. <laughs> what if it's right? not born with its bridle and it's just like a jellyfish? And then magic happens and it gets its bridle. <laughs> Ooh, it magic. comes out. <laughs> that's when the real magic happens. <laughs> What if, Lindsay? What if? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh my god, this is derailed so badly. I wasn't able to find any contemporary encounters with Kelpies, which really isn't a huge surprise. Regardless, they still very much live on in the memories of the region. Like, they are still widely popular there. There is a 2007 movie, The Water Horse, where a young boy finds kind of like a weird egg along the shores of Loch Ness, and it eventually hatches into a water horse. The boy and the water horse are pretty chummy. They become best friends. And guess what the famous creature eventually grows up to be? The Loch Ness Monster. Ding, ding, ding. Yes. What do we have for me, Johnny? Ah. (laughs) (laughs) The satisfaction of being right. Yeah. You know what? Sadly, I will take it because being right is awesome. <laughs> there were also a pair of large sculptures known as the Kelpies that were erected in 2013 next to the Forth and Clyde Canal between Falkirk and Grangemouth. These were meant to pay homage to the heritage of the region and the importance of workhorses to the success of the canal system. So it's really like the the canals really wouldn't have been what they were without the workhorses of the region and that's that's it for my story of the the kelpies our first dish ingredients for this dish were sourced from a page called the kelpie of loch ness on folklorescotland.com william collins's ode on the popular superstitions of the highlands of scotland a newly recovered manuscript by claire lamont accessed on jstor.org a page on timberbushtours.co.uk called scottish folklore kelpies <laughs> Go ahead, get your chuckles out. Timberbush is my nickname in college. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh no. It's Timber. going down. I'm yelling Timber. That's all I got. <laughs> Sorry, Kesha, I'm not as good as you. <laughs> A page on the HighlandTitles.com called The Kelpies Supernatural Shapeshifters to Spectacular Sculptures. Love the alliteration there, guys. A page called Graham of Morphe and the Kelpie on trackscotland.org and a page on scottishcanals.co.uk entitled The Story of the Kelpies. So before we head off for our coffee slash tea slash Red Bull break, did you guys have any final thoughts on the Kelpie? It was a pretty wet and wild adventure. (laughs) Slippery (laughs) when wet. (laughs) Nope, sticky when wet. Gross. So gooey. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, lovely patrons, we'll be right back with our second course. Hey, creepy people. This is PW Haunts and Homicides. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Cassie. 
Together, we explore stories of the paranormal and true crime throughout the Pacific Northwest. We're just two normal-ish friends who wanted more creepy local stories. Our episodes start with a tarot reading to help us gain some insight on each topic as we share the facts of the case and our interpretations. Come join us. We've got plenty of wine, laughs, and stories to share. You can find our episodes featuring true stories from infamous as well as lesser-known true crime cases like the murders in Tunnel 13 and Forest Park. As well as our spooky stories from Pike Place in the Oregon Vortex on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, and many more. For all of you that are listening, if you have any true crime or paranormal stories that you want us to share, maybe with the whole Pacific Northwest, they don't have to be from the Pacific Northwest if you would like to share, email us at pnwhauntsandhomicides at gmail.com. It's all spelled out, no special characters. Last but certainly not least, head over to Patreon to support the show and we can provide even more creepy content. Have Have a a creepy creepy ass ass day. Time for the second course of our traditional Scottish meal and it's not haggis. That's good because that stuff sounds disgusting. Sorry, Scotland. My uncle loves haggis. Never tried it. No thanks. Well, not sure I want to. Anyway, along the west coast of Scotland, in the locks of Argyleshire, Argyleshire? Argyleshire. There we go. The locks of Argyleshire. It's a tongue twister. A giant, malevolent, <laughs> shape-shifting water fay known as... What? Was it the tongue that did you in? No. Oh, that sounds dirty. <laughs> no, but it could. No, don't do it. <laughs> Speaking of antique wooden vibrators. <laughs> no, I'm not going to lie to you. My brain's really slow. So when you when you finished when you finished like the transition, I was like just call me and Lindsay DB Cooper cuz we hijacked this episode. <laughs> <laughs> and then I couldn't stop thinking about it. <laughs> All right, I'm going to back this one up a little bit then because that was too good and I want to keep that one in. <laughs> So along the west coast of Scotland in the locks of Argyleshire, a giant malevolent shape-shifting water fae known as the Boobry is said to lurk. Yeah. The name is thought to be derived from the Gaelic words Bobre or Taru Dobre. Again, probably butchering those because there's no translation form, which refers to bulls or cows. So we'll see what this is. Accounts of the range of the Boobry's habitat vary. Mostly it's known to stay in and around the locks of Argyleshire, occasionally chilling in the overgrown heather on land, but it has been known to roam all over Scotland. Or all over the highlands, at least. It is believed that on-land sightings of the creature are affected by habitat loss, decreasing as its heather habitat also decreases. So if you're not hanging out near thick heather growths, you're probably safe from this thing. As a bird... It is a massive black beast that may possibly be the vessel of trapped spirits. Nice. No. Mm. <laughs> it's it's kind of like, like those teapots that the Vaginoi had. Trapped spirits. <laughs> Tea's done. <laughs> My god, I'm having really weird, like, mental rewrites for Beauty and the Beast right now. I'm sorry, Mrs. <laughs> Potts. And Chip. You were good people, probably. 
<laughs> see, I, see, I went back to Aladdin at the ver- the guy at the very beginning. That's like the Dead Sea Tupperware. Oh yeah, <laughs> I love that. I love that little guy at the beginning. He's my fave. So the boobry bird has a beak because you know it's a bird. So that's what it has. <laughs> bird is the word. Bird, bird, oh bird. no! It's nearly. <laughs> we're not doing that. It's nearly a foot and a half long. <laughs> Black and very strong. It's simil- similarly, similarly <laughs> impressive neck. <laughs> We're just moving through this at this point. <laughs> just keep going. Just go with it. <laughs> it's similarly impressive neck is three feet long with a two foot girth. Oh, that's what he said. <laughs> that's pretty thick. Speaking of antique wooden vibrators. <laughs> <laughs> It has wings that are better designed for swimming than flying, kind of like a giant demonic penguin. Nice. And its short, powerful legs end in webbed feet with gigantic claws. A report of one of its footprints found in mud was said to be as large in span as a large, widespreading pair of red deer's horns. And I'm and I thought, okay, how big is that? I'm going to guess that that's big, but I don't know what it is. So I couldn't find an average span between antlers of a mature red deer. I'm just very concerned about how large this bird's going to end up being, but I'm, I'm trying to. <laughs> it's got to be a pretty together. big one foot. No, it's, it's big. I mean, the, the one foot that they saw in the mud, I couldn't find that average span. But when I looked at pictures, they have to be at least two to three feet on a mature. And that's just one foot. That's just one foot. This is terrifying. But then it has a three-foot-long neck with a two-foot girth. Like, that's a big bird. But it would mm-hmm. also have to be super clumsy on land because those are some big-ass feet that are trying to waddle around. Wonder if he lives on Sesame Street. Uh... <gasps> <gasps> <laughs> is this big bird a boobry? A boobry? <laughs> This is on you. You said big bird. <laughs> just been juicing. That's why his neck's so thick. <laughs> the boobry is known to eat fish, but it tends to prefer to hunt sheep and cattle and has been said to eat large numbers of otters, which makes me sad. Aww, I like Aww. otters. Yeah, I know. Otters are but fun. I know. They make fun little noises. <laughs> and they dance in the water. There's and okay. they have little hands. <laughs> they do have little hands. <laughs> but for some reason, the boobry really likes livestock that are being transported on ships. I'm guessing probably just because it's really easy pickings. Can't run anywhere. Much like the Kelpie, it doesn't quickly kill its prey, then eat it. Instead, it likes to snap them up, drag them under the water, drown them, and then enjoy its meal. So it's making sure you enjoy a nice, slow death. It likes its food waterlogged. Yum. No kidding. <laughs> yum, yum, yum. Yum. So this bird is huge. We've established that. It's strong and it's mean. As such, it has the ability to shred nets, destroy rails and fences, and even tear people apart. No, don't do that. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> Some stories tell of sailors trying to stop it from stealing their animals, but they just meet grizzly chunky bloody ends it was okay till you said chunky and then i was like (laughs) i I felt the need to add that one in there (laughs) 
you know, it tears them apart. They must be chunky. Oh, I hate that word, man. <laughs> you know how some people really hate the word moist? It turns out I really hate the word chunky. Ugh. That's why she can't buy soup. <laughs> it's only cheese. Only cheese soup. It is. It's not really soup at all. It's just hot cheese. <laughs> <laughs> she just eats fondue. Fondue. That's all she eats. <laughs> uh, love you, Lance. <laughs> Hot, steamy cheese. <laughs> you heard it first. That's what's in my brain. <laughs> oh my god, it explains so much. Right? Ashley, hot and cheesy, just the way we love her. Anyway, the boobry was known for flying off into the night with sheep. But I'd imagine that since its wings weren't great for flying, so I kind of pictured this looking like, do you, you remember, have you seen How to Train Your Dragon? Yes. yes. The really fat, chonky The grunkles. Dragons. The grunkles. Yes, that are so clumsy. <laughs> That's how I picture this, flying off with sheep. <laughs> like, it's super clumsy. The thievery of livestock apparently got so bad at times that it threatened the livelihood of local farmers, so it was really considered a problem. That's harsh. Yeah. Farmers have hard lives. Don't steal their food. Don't do that. Agreed. The boobries make a couple of different sounds. Uh, the one that it makes for its call has been described as the bellowing of a bull, which is really reminiscent of the bunyip. But it's also said to have the ability to mimic the sounds of lambs and other baby animals, which it might might be doing to kind of lure unsuspecting prey closer to the water's edge so it makes it easier to snag it. Aww. As a shapeshifter, it does take other forms. Another is that of a giant insect that looks like an earwig covered in tentacles. No, no thank no, you. No, 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 no. I no, hate no, that. No. Yep. Nope. It's gross. Kill it with fire. Yes, kill it with fire <laughs> right now. <laughs> it generally appears in this form during the summer and is known to suck the blood of horses. Why? Get yeah. out of here, chupacabra. Not, uh, like, not a fan. Why? Put it in a house and start the house on fire. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need a house anymore. It's cool. <laughs> I've always wanted to commit arson. Woo! Oh, no. <laughs> Why did you burn your house down, ma'am? There was a boobery in it. If you would have seen this thing, you would have burned the house down too. It has also appeared as a water horse or a water bull. So that's kind of where it gets all its lovely names from. Water bull. Mm-hmm. When it appears as a water horse, the boobery is said to gallop on the top of the water, and the sound of its hooves on the water are the same as that if it were on land. That's weird. I like that. I like that. Back in the mid-1800s, I couldn't find an exact date, (laughs) (laughs) renowned scholar and folklorist Campbell of Isla, who specialized in Celtic studies and was a leading authority on the subject, published several texts entitled Popular Tales of the West Highlands. So I could... I could access these texts, but I couldn't find an exact publication date. Don't know. Go out Google it if you really want to know. Google it. He noted a few stories related to him of encounters with the shape-shifting beast. The first of which was pretty short and sweet. He said that the creature basically terrified a minister out of his propriety. So basically, what happened was that they think that the boobry put a glamour on the minister and his servant to make each of them think that the other was a boobry, so they basically just screamed and ran away from each other and never went back. 
And that was that story. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Another tells of a hunter that was near a lock on a February morning, specifically, when he saw a boobery and tried to shoot it. He waited out unt until the water was up to his shoulders, but before he got to it, it dove under the water. Dived under the... Whatever. It went under the water. The story says that he stayed out there for 45 minutes before going back to shore, where he waited another six hours to try and catch it and kill it. But I think this is probably pretty ludicrous. It's February in Scotland. You were in ice-cold water for 45 minutes. You are not going to go literally chill on the side of the lake for another six hours. You would die. Unless you're really dumb and you got nothing but time. Well, you do have nothing but time because it's the 1800s, right? But yeah, it's still cold. Yeah. yeah. Don't do it. Go wave well, at a ship or something. It's much more fun. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't get anything out of it. I mean, he never ended up getting the boobery, so he just sat there cold for six hours. Almost seven, really. And that's how Pop Pop lost his legs. <laughs> <laughs> He's the real Stumpy in this story. <laughs> At a different time, a farmer and his son were plowing a field near Loch Frieza or Frieza. I couldn't. I don't know. It's also an Italian word. So all I could find was an Italian pronunciation. So we're going with Frieza. They were plowing the fields using four horses, but one of them lost a shoe. So the work had to stop because they didn't have enough horsepower. But I'm tis. Sorry. That horse's name must have been Cinderella. <laughs> <laughs> the farmer noticed a horse in a nearby field and naturally thought, woohoo, freebie. So he figured he'd snag the horse and use it to help finish the work, which seemed to go all right at first. As the work brought the team closer and closer to the lock, the new horse started to get fidgety and harder to control. Nope. Mm -hmm. So the farmer brilliantly decided to quote-unquote gently use the whip to get it to work. Uh -uh. Oh, that was bad. That was bad news bears. The horse flipped out, immediately transformed into a boobery, made its crazy bull cry, and then promptly pulled the plow into the lock. That sucks. Well, guess what was still attached to it? The other horses? The other horses! So it swam out to the center and dragged the other three horses down with it and never came back up. That's what I call a to-go order. <laughs> That's the opposite of whipping it good. <laughs> <laughs> when a boobry comes along, you must not whip it. There you go. Yes. <laughs> when a boobry comes along, do not whip it. <laughs> we got there eventually. God damn it. And that's all that matters. <laughs> so I, for me, the big moral of the story was basically don't try to commandeer strange horses that don't belong to you. It might not end so well. Seems like a good a good moral to get from yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Another story occurred near the side of Loch Nandabron, which is on the west coast of Argyle. A man named Ichan that found or Ichan that found a huge injured bull that was in pain and possibly close to death, he ended up nursing it back to health. So a few months pass, and when his girlfriend starts to feel like she's being stalked, she sees the shadow around the lock and thinks it's her expo Murdoch, who's kind of creeping on her. And this guy was a real, he was a baddie. Uh -oh. So one day, girlfriend of Ichan, staying in an isolated hut near the lock when she starts to get the feeling of eyes on her again. Nope, hate it, don't like it. Nope. Yeah, mm -hmm. don't like that. And it turns out that the hardcore creep 
pops up and he wraps her up in a blanket, quickly overwhelming her and kidnapping her. Don't like that. That's when a water bowl charged out of the lock and plowed into Murdoch. Ha, take that, you son of a bitch. <laughs> it knelt and let the woman climb onto its back. Then it took her as fast as light back to her mother's house. And as the water bowl left her, a voice floated back that said, I was assisted by a young man, and I aided a maid in distress. Then after 300 years of bondage, relieve me quickly. So this is thought to kind of be consistent with the idea of the boobery form holding a spirit that might be trapped. Got it. So basically it helped her out because Ichan helped him out. How he knew Ichan's girlfriend, I don't know. They don't explain that part. But once again, we see that the water spirit is generally thought to be dangerous or malevolent, but it can have a softer side. Although not widely known or overwhelmingly popular, the creature has made its way into pop culture where it became part of the game Dungeons & Dragons back in the 1980s. Nice. I think that was the only spot that I found it featured in pop culture. Interestingly, though, there might be a natural explanation for sightings of the boobery. So Campbell of Isla, you remember him? He's the one who wrote all about this stuff? Mm-hmm. Whose texts I can't date mm. precisely? He speculated that sightings of the boobry might actually be a known, now extinct bird called the great auk. And the strange call might be from another common bird called the bittern, which is a, mem- a member of the heron family, which occasionally okay. popped up in Scotland. I believe the bittern was also uh, pegged for the, the booming call of the bunyip in Australia. The Great Auk was found all over the North Atlantic from the Faroe Islands to Scotland to North America with some sightings as far south as Florida until sometime in the 1800s when they went extinct in a very seriously tragic way. I'm not going to detail the way they go extinct because honestly it broke my heart to read it, but but we'll just say people suck. It's true. People do suck. Yeah, it was when they were still extant, so still alive, they kind of looked like big-ass penguins. So they had white on them, uh, like a breast, a white breast. They were large, flightless birds, awkward on land, but very good swimmers. The bittern is also known as the bull of the bog because it makes a bull-like bellowing call, which is kind of like the bun. Yep. It used to be pretty common all across Europe up into the 19th century, but their populations have crashed as a result of hunting and dramatic habitat losses. So again, we suck. We're the worst. We are the worst. Yep. We wreck everything. Oh, they look, they look kind of like, um, their faces look kind of like a dodo. The great auk? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're interesting looking birds. Unfortunately, they were slow, so they didn't get away very quickly. Yeah. Oh, that's a bummer. I too am slow and don't get away very quickly. So it doesn't <laughs> well for my future. So it seems like Campbell's reasonings were sound and, and certainly seemed plausible that this was just kind of an amalgamation of two birds commonly sighted in the area. The herons are typically pretty big. The bitterns are yeah. big. So it would make sense, especially since there are no contemporary sightings of the boobery that at least that I was able to find. So this would make sense if the bittern is scarce and the great auk is entirely extinct. So ingredients for this dish were sourced from a page on the dabbler.co.uk called the boobery. The 1911 text survivals in belief among the Celts by George Henderson accessed on sacredtext.com. 
a page on clan.com called Folklore Thursday, the Boobry, a page about the bittern population trends on rspb.org.uk, and a page about the Great Auk on Britannica.com. So any thoughts on the boobries before we head off for a very, very short dessert? I'm sad that we killed out the, the Great Auk. I know. That makes me feel really sad. Yeah. But the boobry sounds awful and terrifying. And I, I wouldn't want to encounter it if I was a sheep. Yeah. So I thought it was interesting that the boobry, I believe, is considered fae, whereas the kelpie is considered wobber, water, wobber spirit. Wobber we remember. It's a wobber spirit. <laughs> it's a weeble wobble, but it don't fall down. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love those. <laughs> yeah. So the, the kelpie's a water spirit. The boobry is fae. So they're two different things. I thought that was kind of interesting, even though they sound very similar. Yeah. Now it's time for one more short break before dessert. Since 1998, Stamps.com has been an indispensable tool for nearly 1 million businesses. Stamps.com brings the services of the U.S. Postal Service and UPS shipping right to your computer. Whether you're an office sending invoices, a side hustle Etsy shop, or a full-blown warehouse shipping out orders, Stamps.com will make your life easier. All you need is a computer and a standard printer. No special supplies or equipment. Within minutes, you're up and running, printing official postage for any letter, any package, anywhere you want to send. And you'll get exclusive discounts on postage and shipping from USPS and UPS. Once your mail is ready, just schedule a pickup or drop it off. No traffic, no lines. Cut the confusion out of shipping. With Stamps.com's new Rate Advisor tool, you can compare shipping rates and timelines to easily find the best option. Save time and money with Stamps.com. There's no risk. And with my promo code, P-O-D, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in P-O-D. That's Stamps.com, promo code P-O-D. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Who's hungry for dessert? Me, me, maybe. <laughs> I know, yeah, right? That's a big I, maybe. <laughs> here's the thing: I fucking love dessert. I want to be like, yeah, but I'm worried the dessert will be an asshole. So I don't... <laughs> no one likes an asshole for dessert. No. <laughs> well, some people, bro. <laughs> we don't kink shame on this show. Oh my no. goodness. That's not what we're here for. You do you. Um, uh, well, I don't think that this... Uh, it's it's short, but it's not going to be shitty. So, Well, that's good. All right. Let's do it then. All right. So bear with me, Scotland, because this one is a very Gaelic name. And there was no like other name for it. It's just straight up Gaelic. And I'm probably going to butcher the hell out of it. So I apologize. The Ayach Ushka is a purely malevolent water spirit that is often confused with a Kelpie. Like, so much so that many of the stories and characteristics that I found for this guy were the same as those that I read for the Kelpie, but they are definitely considered two different beings. This being is known to take the form of a beautiful horse, gigantic bird, or stunningly attractive man. And just like the Kelpie and the Boobry, it likes to hang out around the water's edge and try to lure its victims. The Ayachushka, however, seems to prefer salt water. It's often found in the locks in the ocean, whereas kelpies like the flowing waters of streams and rivers and boobries will kind of boobries, boobries will hang out 
around lakes and ponds and kind of wherever there's water. They too are supernaturally sticky. So if anyone tries to ride them and the horse is too close to the water, the rider will become stuck and doomed. (laughs) (laughs) Although it likes human prey, it is also known to enjoy cattle, which differentiates it from the Kelpie because the Kelpie really pretty much just go for humans. If the creature uh, in horse form is far enough inland, it may actually be pretty tame. And so this makes it easier to kind of grab and conveniently, in the, when it's far enough inland, it's not sticky. So <laughs> you can ride it around and not have a problem, I guess. But it becomes more adhesive the closer it gets to the water? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I feel I like it. that's one of those situations where you're like, why is your horse so sticky? <laughs> However, if the rider brings the horse anywhere within sniffing distance, literally, if it can smell water, salt water... The Ayakushka will go berserk and charge into the water where it will pull its victim below and drown them. The only thing that will ever be found of the victim is a liver washed upon the shore. So the Kelpie would chuck back the entrails. The Ayakushka lets the liver just kind of casually float back to shore. So basically it lets the liver alone. Liver alone. <laughs> I mean, you can't really blame it. Livers are gross, but... Who eats the body's filter? My mom. <laughs> I know, my mom too. It's so gross. It grosses me out, but she does it. Does she do liver and onions? Because yeah. my mom loves liver and onions. My mom's obsessed with liver and onions, and I, I hate can't. it. No, thanks. One story said that a farmer's daughter had been killed by an ayah ushka, And knowing that the beast couldn't resist a tasty free meal of roasted sheep, he and his son hatched a plan. So they decided to roast mutton until the hooks used for hanging the meat were red hot. So fiery red hot. Uh Uh-oh. The beast, smelling the meat, slowly comes out of the loch and out of the mists, climbs up onto land, comes to collect its free meal. And that's when the men descended upon it, stabbing it to death with the red hot hooks. Ouch. Okay. Yeah. That's a way to go. Mm -hmm. I mean, it deserved it, but holy shit. Ouch. Shouldn't have been such an asshole and you wouldn't have got hooked in the face. I mean, (laughs) can we say that bears deserve it when they, they kill somebody? You know, food. They're doing what they do. Once it had been defeated, all that was left of the Ayahushka was a nasty pool of sludge. Gross. Was it sticky? <laughs> I don't know. It didn't tell, but I would assume it probably was. Left a nasty Gross. stain on the grass. Does it make a nasty splurching sound when it... <laughs> the grass never grew quite right in this spot ever since. <laughs> so I did see one interesting take on this particular creature that I found on Folk Realm Studies. And I want to quote this because I really couldn't think of a better way to really phrase it. So they said, quote, some people think the Ayahushka is a water spirit that guards the watery path to the afterlife where our ancestors live on. Its task is to test the person's worth. If it does not kill you, then you are judged worthy and are carried to the underworld to join our forefathers. So if it doesn't kill you, it kills you anyway? Right. So... (laughs) 
when I was reading this. This reminded me of those witch trials that they used to do where they would like throw the you ducking. out. Yeah. Yes, the yeah. ducking. So if you sank and you died, you were innocent. You were innocent and you went to heaven. But if you floated, then you were burned or hanged anyway. So either way, you were screwed. Either way, you're a witch. Yep. Either way, you're a witch. And that's the Ayathushka. Ingredients for this dish were sourced from a page on folkrealmstudies.weebly.com called Scottish Legends, the Ayathushka. Ayathushka, I keep calling it Ayath. A page on mysteriousbritain.co.uk called Yachushka, and a page on Oxford reference by the same name because I didn't want to say it again. <laughs> <laughs> ah, any thoughts before we move on to something good? I didn't like it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but at least it wasn't shitty. I'll give you that. It was sticky <laughs> instead. <Woo. laughs> sticky rice. Sticky, maybe a little gooey. So it's tapioca. It was tapioca. It was tapioca. A little chunky. Oh, it's, it's figgy pudding. <laughs> that word. Why? It's not time for figgy pudding yet. That's true. <laughs> we need to wait. There's Thanksgiving still to come and Halloween. Shh. Second Halloween is after first Halloween. And I want <laughs> nothing else. You're like the Hobbit of Halloweens. <laughs> I need two Halloweens. Thank you. <laughs> So did either of you have anything good you'd like to share tonight? Well, I do, I guess. Uh, so I got my dog a dog sofa. And <laughs> <laughs> listen, I don't care. My life is really sad, but I got my dog a dog sofa. And it's really cute. And she finally laid on it for a while. So that's really nice. And it has little cushions. It's a little sofa. <laughs> it's super cute. <laughs> but for I a puppy. It. And I really like it. So that's my good thing. Did you put it right next to your big sofa so you guys are each sitting on a sofa? Right now, it's right next to the chair that I'm sitting in because that's she cute. likes to be with me when I'm doing stuff. So <laughs> She's like, hey, mom, want to hang out? She's like, hey, mom, pay attention to me. Mom, <laughs> mom, mom. <laughs> i trying to think what my something good could be. I can go next if you'd like to keep pondering sure okay so my something good is i am just about wrapped up with my thesis and so i gave it to all of my committee members for their for them to review and kind of go through and make some edits and they had very few edits or corrections or changes or anything that they wanted done to it and they my one committee member goes you are going to get at least two to three solid papers out of this. He goes, this is one of the most well-written theses I've seen. And I was like, <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. So I'm very excited. I'm almost there. Oh, yeah. There was another thing. Can I do two good things? They're yes. both kind of related. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Tooting my own horn here. Um, so there was an article that was done on, on uh, the research that we've been doing with the chestnuts for – the university news a while back for our local university and it got picked up by the main campus and um so that news went out apparently globally because we have alumni that are all over the planet that get the the news and now um uh, i'm getting emails from people in canada people over like all the way in iowa who have um, american chestnuts that want to talk about them that want to talk about the pathogen that i've been researching and i've even been invited to 
to potentially research on one of the biggest American chestnut um, research projects currently underway. So I'm very excited about that. That's awesome. So Emily is kind of a big deal. Woo! (laughs) She is. They haven't met me in person. They only read about it in an article. (laughs) She's a beautiful Lorax. I try. Um, My something good can be... I started reading this book a couple weeks ago called Women Who Kill, I think, or Lady Killers. Now I got to look it up. I think it's Lady Killers because you talked about it on Yield Crime. Yeah, Lady Killers. So I'm a little over halfway through it, and I find it very enjoyable because, for one, I like learning about different women who do stuff like that. Because that's the kind of person I am. <laughs> With this grin on your face as you talk about it. I like learning about murder. And uh, <laughs> I am also enjoying it because there are a lot of cases that are mentioned in the book that I can potentially do on yield crime that Ooh, I have nice. not covered so far. So I'm excited to be adding some more ladies to the long list I have of potential topic ideas. So... That'll be fun. I love how many women you cover on your show because I feel like so many true crime TV shows or podcasts or whatever, because there are loads of them, mm-hmm. focus on men and male serial killers. And and it's almost treated like women are so kind and gentle. They could never be that evil and do something so dark. And this is just evidence that we do. <laughs> just as fucking dark as everybody else oh yeah do not underestimate us don't push us we will poison you but yeah some of the ones that i read about that i can't use because you know they happened after the 1900s um were really bad (laughs) i was like oh jesus all right (laughs) so i on once on the one side i'm kind of glad that i can't do them because it was pretty messed up but Yep. Oh, yeah, we can be equally as dark. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good read. Before we close the restaurant for the night, I would like to read a review from a very satisfied patron. And this, I think, is our last review that we have right now. This one is uh, posted on Pod Chaser, coming from John Cons- Consignato. Pineapple on pizza is a controversial topic. Psych, it's bomb AF. Pineapple pizza podcast, on the other hand, is nuclear bomb AF. Whoop whoop. Lindsay, Emily, and Ash together is the perfect recipe. The combination is too gouda to be true, with savory tales of mythology, urban legends, and many more. The chemistry is amazing. The back and forth, chef's kiss. So don't be a weird doe, and please tune in immediately. Ah, with the puns. We love it. Oh, John. I love you, John. <laughs> Thank you, Never John. Never change. <laughs> Well, I think it's about time to close up the restaurant for the night. Thank you for visiting our beautiful pizzeria and enjoying a wet and sticky slice of Scottish legend. Pineapple Pizza Podcast, sweet and cheesy. Not everyone understands our awesomeness, but we're glad that you do, question mark. If you're enjoying the show and you'd like to help support us, Check out our Tee Public shop for some amazingly fun and funny merch. Or if you want to do a one-time donation, you can do that on buymeacoffee.com and buy us a fresh slice. Because we can never get enough of basically anything, if we're being honest. 
If you absolutely love the show and you want to check out some fantastic bonus content, you can become a donor on Patreon and earn all kinds of amazing benefits. We have three tiers to accommodate almost any budget. The $3 Mythbuster, $7 Cryptid Hunter, and $15 Storyteller. Become a patron today and start enjoying all the perks and extra content right away. Don't forget, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at PineAppPizzaPod. That's PineAppAppPizzaPod. You can also send us questions, comments, and topic ideas at PineAppAppPizzaPod at gmail.com. Remember, there's the two P's in app. Otherwise, you're emailing someone else, and I don't want to be held responsible for that. Thanks for stopping in for some deliciously weird morsels. And just remember, no matter how you slice it, you're awesome. And we love you.